Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Greetings and salutations and God's blessings and everything else. Welcome to this week's Jesus and Paula show, starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. I'm Apostle Ashley. And uh, this, this whole season and era that we are in is truly the new era, hard reset, what we have been learning about, talking about, and hearing about for the last several years. Really, since the relaunch of Dr. Price's church ministry, uh, the other pieces never went to sleep. However, we kind of put the church to bed for a minute, maybe about four years and woke it back up. And since the wake up, it has really been about the hard reset and what God is doing next and how it's not going to start out at least being all roses and all exciting and fun and just all the things that we say and have said historically that we use to pull people into the church. I think the biggest uh, damage that we've done to ourselves as an institutional church in our previous move is really soft coat and sugar coat and dumb down the reality of what God said and what Jesus said about what this walk would be in, the, in an effort to what? Get large numbers. But that's what you call inflation. Our church numbers are inflated, and they're inflated because they're built on something that is not real, built on a doctrine that isn't true built on a belief system that isn't God, built on sermons that aren't sanctioned by the Lord. They're not backed by him. You can't find them in Scripture, many of them within the context of which they're being preached. You can't find it there. Yeah, sure, a lot of times we can all lift out a passage. We can uh, tie a couple things together, roll out, God is saying this, this is a new message, not in the context in which he said it. If you read the passages before and after and around, you realize, oh, that's not what he was saying at all. Hmm. That's not even who he was saying that to. There have been things that we attach to ourselves as a personal experience as a believer that the Lord wasn't even addressing that when he said it. So we have this inflation, 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 and we know what inflation does. It damages the economy. Because when anything hits it, it deflates. Anything that is inflated can deflate. At the first sign of pressure, anybody love popping balloons? Okay. Some people don't the sound. Oh, I don't like the sound. The rest of us are like pop, 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 pop. I don't know. You feel like you conquered something when you blow a balloon up, blow out. <laughs> okay, the, the uh, bubble wrap, anybody like to get that? Just yeah. <laughs> Those big ones aren't any fun. They don't make any kind of real noise. You have to get the little ones that you have to like squeeze and snap, snap, snap. Okay? And that's where we are in the body of Christ. Right now the world is being popped and snapped. And we are finding where all the inflation is in our belief system, in our, in our ministries. How, how do you know if the ministry was really inflated? At the first sign of 
people are out. And the difference between building your house on the rock and building your house on the sandy land. Anybody remember? Did you ever have that scripture? Don't build your house on the sandy land. This is all. Don't build it too near the shore. Oh, how did it go? Well, you, you better think uh, something like it might look kind of nice, but you'll have to build it twice, and you'll have to build your house once more. You better build your house upon the rock. And we just sing songs like that as kids about who built your house on the, on the solid rock, and it says the storms may come and go, but the peace of God you will know. And how she <laughs> and how scripture will let you know that it's easy to build in the pretty. Many times, many ministers, many saints go to the church with the prettiest scenery, not the hardest work. And we have been uh, attending and building and judging what God has blessed and what he's approved based on the scenery. It looks pretty. The church is fly. The graphics are amazing. You go in the lights, the camera, and I believe in all of those amazing things, but not as the standard of where God is. So we have people who have built their houses on the shore, church houses on the shore, on the sandy land. It's so pretty. I want a beachfront view because this is how I wanted to be in heaven. Yes. I'm going to have my beach house in heaven. I'm going to go to my ministry that looks the best in the city, has the biggest number, and we run it, run it, run it down. And then you see that church up there on the rock. We have cutting up happening by the host, I just want you to know, in the studio today. <laughs> and then you have the churches built on the rock in the rock, where you have to climb a rock to get to it. Ooh, I don't know. That word is hard. Wow. Do you have any fun? Oh, man. You can't do anything. See, that's the house on the rock. But guess what? When the storms come and the storms blow, the houses that are anchored in the rock are not moved. And in this season, coronavirus shenanigans, we don't even know what, we're seeing what institutions and organizations are built on the sand by that beachfront view? So pretty. But if anybody's ever been in a hurricane, all of a sudden, that pretty beach is your enemy. And it is now the thing that can destroy everything you have built. The sun disappears. <laughs> the sky is dark. That nice reflection you saw. Nope, it's a churning monster that kicks up, pulls in the clouds in the sky. It's, it's, a, it's in concert with all of creation to tear you up because that's what it's made to do. And then, that, then you look, what do they say in a storm? Take higher ground if there's higher ground to go to. And now I want to encourage all of us to deal with the inflation that we have in our own walk with God. Is your faith inflated? Or is it real? The things that were noted for the people who were mentioned because of their faith were not about toys and things that are passing away like that. What, what Abraham had faith for, what Moses had faith for, what was attributed to them was something huge in believing in God. It wasn't about trinkets. Even the inheritance that they were promised wasn't about things. We're talking about souls and lives and the lineage of Christ. 
And so you can see how far we've come, how carnal we've become. When we talk about faith, it is typically about what? Faith for our healing. Faith for our restoration. Faith for a new car, for a new house. And, and trust me, I've had to faith some things in, so I'm not saying you don't need it in those areas. What I'm saying is when we first learned about it and how it's noted in Scripture is about what God wants to have happen in the earth. We need to have faith for him, his plans, his desires, his generation, his will, his means, his sovereignty. And as we are going through and as this continues to yet unfold with uh, coronavirus, I challenge you, encourage you to go back and watch all of Dr. Price's broadcasts on this series, on the Apocalyptic Prayer Project. We are uploading them to our God's Royal Network YouTube channel. I want you to go there and make sure you subscribe, God's Royal Network. You will be able to play the Apocalyptic Prayer Project playlist because a lot of you have been asking. I just want to go in one place and hit play and let it play. And I'm mad at you because you know what? So do I, actually. <laughs> and I have them in my computer. <laughs> but you want to go and you'll be able to do that and listen again or for the first time. This last week, this week that we're in right now, Dr. Price is rolling out how we need to use our brains. We need to investigate. Don't we need to investigate? Do your homework is the lesson of today. Again, coming out of inflation where you're so inflated and you're so bloated, you're just immobile. Let us think about Thanksgiving dinner. You're just so full, you're stuck <laughs> for a minute. I just need to lay here and let my dinner settle. I just, oh, I want to go get more, and I can't. And we're so overstuffed on this old carbohydrated <laughs> doctrine, carbs. And you know what? You get happy on carbs, and then, boom, you're out. You're done. And that's where we were, happy and out, happy and out. Well, my faith is revived, and I'm out. And so we're here right now. You need to go after the show and get caught up on the Apocalyptic Prayer Project. There are 30-minute shows, and there, there's 22 of them. Well, I have to actually go back and get the first, first one you did before we started the third. You know what? There's actually, but oh, wait, there's more. I need to get the rest. There's more. It's probably about 25, almost 30 of them by now. And she's rolling it out because this is God's new era, his hard reset. We think that God resetting an era is the same as our calendar rolling over to a new year. And that's not always the same thing because his eras are not defined by our years. We mark them so we know this is the era of this and this is the time of that and then the days of David and then this king golden. And we tie them to earthly things because that's where we are. But when he's rolling it out, he's thinking about his timetable which is outside of our time. And so the Apocalyptic Prayer Project is plugging us into God's timetable within this temporal TikTok that we are in right now. Where are we in God's time? She is hammering, hitting, and we appreciate it. Revelation, the book that everybody says nobody can understand. Why is it in the Bible nobody can understand it? This is a question I had as a child. Why is it in here if nobody can understand it? I did not think that made sense. I just thought people were not smart enough. Or else, why have it? 
I mean, please, if it's not for us to know, then why is it there? I remember as a kid thinking, well, God said everything else that wasn't written. Was it not written in this book? Was it not written in that book? Where are those books? In eternity somewhere. Buried somewhere. Not in the scriptures that we read. And I thought, somebody has got to know what this book means because it's here. It's a revelation. It's called revelation. Why is it nobody has revelation on revelation? Face it. You are who you are, even as a child. You really are. But in our broadcast, Dr. Price is kidding. Revelation. Because they're trying to push the premature false apocalypse. And she is pinpointing the difference between God's apocalypse and a man-made manufactured apocalypse, which is not an apocalypse. It's a show. I have a theater degree. I know a show when I see one. I know I can listen to somebody and know they're scripted. Who told you to say that? Well, what do you mean? Mm -mm. Somebody else told you to say that. It's, it's a career thing. It's a mantle thing. It's the same thing. It's a thing, okay? And so I'm thinking, no, this is, and she outlines and breaks down, and she said, I believe she said last weekend, and is repeating this week, no, no, when God does an apocalypse, there's nothing left standing. When he sends a plague, we are talking about so many bodies adding up. This is when they would just build mass graves and just put dead bodies in them or burn them because you can't bury them. You can't do anything else. There's too many. When we talk about biblical proportions, biblical proportions means the numbers are off the charts in one nation. And 75,000 died in one day, in one hour, in one instant, in one moment. Not over a 19-month falsified document. We added things up. Well, if we factor in 16 countries, we can come up with these numbers. If we pad them like this, come on now. This thing has changed so many times, it's not even funny. Now, I understand when something new is rolling out, you're not always sure what you're dealing with, which is why it has to play out. But this is how you lose credibility when you change too many times. In our leadership training, Dr. Price teaches us that as a leader, one of the first ways you lose credibility with your people is you are constantly changing in front of them. Changing leadership, changing people out, changing direction, changing what you want to do. This week we're going to pray three times a week. Well, now we're rolling out a new plan. And then we're rolling out a new plan. And it's only the first quarter of the year. <laughs> service starts at this time. All service starts at that time. Well, this used to be the format of service. No, now that's the format of service. Well, now this didn't work for the people. Well, now we're changing it. Well, if your people land and people determine, you will always be changing. But your leadership will always be questioned. Interesting thing about people. They want you to do what they want you to do, and then you do it, and then they don't trust you because you did what they wanted to do, not what you thought you should do as a leader. Well, I really can't trust your leadership because, you know, you're just so swayed by everybody's opinion. But didn't you tell me you wanted me to do this? Well, yes. This is why God doesn't change because he's like, you all don't stay the same. <laughs> so this, nobody has to stay the same in this relationship. Somebody, the person in charge, is the one who needs to stay the same. And so in this rollout of coronavirus, and, and Dr. Price is breaking down the difference between COVID-19 and coronavirus, separating the two out, doing our homework on Brother Bill. We'll call him Brother Bill. Bill Gates and the agenda. Oh, there's a massive pandemic. Look what I have in my back pocket. I have a vaccine. Wow. Isn't that a coincidence? Of course not. We hardly believe in coincidences now. 
But you're talking about something of that magnitude? Oh, no, 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 no. We are being taught to think in our apocalyptic prayer project. Think. Think God's thoughts. Engage your brain. The whole uh, a campaign leading up to this is that Christians are to disengage their brain when it comes to the things of God. How many saints were chastised for being smart, for being too intellectual in church, for asking too many questions? You just ask too many questions. What? You don't have enough answers. See, that's the problem. You only tell somebody they're asking too many questions because you don't have enough answers. Or they are blowing through your time and being a distraction. That's one thing. But a lot of times, if you don't have the answers, you discourage people from asking questions. And then you will put a shame on them or, or let people give them permission to diminish that person because they're asking too many questions. We have to ask questions and do research. Those of you who are still in these states, one of my friends from Pennsylvania posted, he's like, I'm getting out of here. I got to go to the South, somewhere that's free. I said, come on, Oklahoma. I know the South is free. Come on to Oklahoma. <laughs> come, come, on to, come on into OK. I said, we've been out since May 1st. He said, oh, and everybody's not dead? I said, no, in fact, numbers are going down. Going down, right. Uh-huh, exactly. Do our homework, do our research. Let us not be the inflated, bloated, useless church that's just waiting to be spoon-fed everything. Well, why do you think about Well, why do you think? Why aren't you thinking? Let's all think together. Let us reason together. Let us think about this and do our research and, and engage our brains and our minds. We're not offending God. There's a reason. There's a reason Scripture talks about the mind of Christ being in us, not just this heart. Let this heart be in you. It was in Christ Jesus. Let these emotions, let the sentiments be in you. Let the, this mind, the mind of Christ. The man has a mind, and he is in us. There should be a whole lot of thinking going on. <laughs> I really wish you could see what's happening right now. You'll see it soon enough. But let's get to what's on the screen, talking about TPTI for just a moment before we transition into Dr. Price. We are, are finding out the issue with flying right now yes. is if your state has certain cities flagged, if you're flying from or even through them, just through the airport, then you are going to be quarantined for 14 days in that place. Yes. Now, this was set in order in, I think it was March. So I have uh, Apostle Nona is on it, because you know she is on it, and is reaching out to find out if these things are changing and expiring in June, June 1st, with these systematic rollouts and things that are happening. Uh, so stay tuned, just stay tuned for an update on that and uh, streaming options that we will probably have anyway for some of you who, okay, we just bless the Lord in that stay tuned. But as of today, TPTI is still happening with somebody, with us. So the flyer is up on your screen if you're watching Facebook, YouTube. Both of you can go to www.drpaulaaprice.com and go to events to find out more about that because um, we have to push this thing back, which is why we're praying. We are praying as the apostles, chief prophet, more than once a week specifically about this as leaders, as people, as sheep. We have to hit this 
name names. Dr. Price has been saying in the broadcast, and was it Monday? Excuse me. She ended the broadcast on Monday in prayer, right? Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord. Their prayer. Lord. Disembody the devil from these people. Pulling and yanking out the strong man. Jesus let us know. Legion can't come out. And my name will have to come out. That's probably the only time you heard a devil negotiate with Jesus. Hold on. No, wait. Because you're here. We know we have to go. See, the point was we know we have to go. And where we have to get as saints is, Satan, you know you have to go. And you have to go now. And this agenda has been in place so long, we have got to hit it and hit it and hit it and hit it. Because it's a matrix and it's a network and it has tentacles and so many things. But that's nothing beyond Jesus Christ. That's nothing beyond God. If a man can go to hell and whoop up on some things down there and come back, what's the, what's, what's, what's the government system? Come on, what's the shadow government? Deep state. What is that, this Lord? Nothing. He had his own deep state in heaven. We saw how that turned out. So he had <laughs> his first time bringing down a deep state. Are you all ready? I hope you have your notebooks and your brains engaged on what we have to do. I mean, we, are, we get excited here because this is exciting. But these are sober times. These are serious times. We were privileged to be a part of a meeting today where we're hearing what's going on in high places in our government for the Lord Jesus Christ. I was encouraged. I was actually pleasantly surprised. I was and I know, me too. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. We, we try to get you to the president. Yeah. And, uh, and so it, it was encouraging, but we have to, first of all, know the names of our leaders, know what they believe, and then know how to pray. Pray them in and pray them out, depending on who they are. <laughs> pray them up or pray them down. I love it. You know, I appreciate the um, this morning's meeting. It was very, very important. And uh, I applaud the people who hosted it. It was put on by Tulsa City elders who are sitting up all over the country. And they are working with various Christian groups to uh, really kind of out, outfit and arm the church yeah. as well as encourage the church mm-hmm. to keep fighting. And it's working. Now, they're, you know, these are pastors. You know, pastors are whole breed of Christian leadership because um, their hearts are genuine yeah. and they're fighting. But I got to tell you, I need us to find, realize that coronavirus told us just we're in a new day. That's right. And that the former things are no more. And so, what, and that, you know, pastors are perfect for peacetime. Solomon was different from David. David won the kingdom. He took the tax, whatever he dispossessed the enemy and all of those kinds of things. And then he stockpiled for Solomon's reign. Right. So in peacetime, you have a different thing. But if you've not been in a warring posture, which is where, that's why we were all so confused because we were like, oh, they're high, they're come on, what do you mean, people? Isn't that blue? <laughs> <laughs> and so when you haven't had to war because things have worked for you or you have entered, you know, your rest, because when you enter success, success gives you a rest. 
It doesn't get you, it, I mean, it's arrested from your battles, at least. So one of the things that I want God to do is to say, but God goes to war with apostles and prophets. He could, think about it. Now, you can say, and this group tells us, well, you know, they went, oh, wait a minute, my book. I'm like, but she, you see, she just walked up. You see what I mean? That's, that's why I dance a lot. <laughs> but um, she, you know, the Lord goes to war with prophets and apostles. He starts with prophets, and he captures with apostles. And then he draws with evangelists. And then he settles with pastors. And then he disciples with teachers. But for God to win a war, he has got to do it with a prophet because God starts everything with a prophet. And the sad part of all of this is that the prophets proved their lack of readiness but probably their lack of access into God's realm by not being prepared for this. See, they, they had to turn to the pastors because the prophets were not organized. They were, they were mobilized but not organized. They were not known. The people didn't know them. The people did not know who's who as a prophet. Because we should have been 10, 15 years ago set up to be drawn on. Which brings us to, that's why I didn't want you to leave. Yes, no, I just had to raise the volume. I love it. Prophetic. Ah, yes. Had that been 10 years ago, we would have a different force pushing forward today, and perhaps not have the demonic dominance that we are experiencing. Mm -hmm. Would you say? Absolutely. You know, 10 years ago, though, we were still fighting about should a prophet be trained in the offensive notion, who are you to say that I'm not hearing from God? Now, I think it's sad and appalling and very strategic on Satan's part, that our condition, programs, knee-jerk reaction is anytime somebody offers to make us excellent prophetically, we're offended oh at the notion that anything I'm hearing right now is not perfect as it is. Oh, yeah. Because, and I have to teach my prophets, I start out with God is perfect in heaven. God's word leads him Perfectly. It's perfectly got perfectly structured, composed, whatever. But in my brand new book, dun, 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 dun. I hope I can find it. I have a section called Prophecy Has a Mission. Ooh. I have a section. Of, I really, I'm going to tell you the truth. I tried to flag it, but I had so many things going on this week. But if you can, uh, um, Rachel, find that. Prophecy Has a Mission. See, we think prophecy has a has an activity, an exercise, you know, like it goes to the gym to work out. But prophecy has a mission. God never speaks purposefully. He speaks on purpose, and everything he says has a purpose. Whether he shares that purpose with us or not, totally, totally out of the question, off the thing. But God is one of the heavens, and it says prophecy has a mission. But but God has a purpose. We, 
treat prophecy as an exercise of your ministry gift. That's right. And it's based on your individual intelligence, your independence, and your interpretation of what God said and what he means by what he said. We don't want to be institutional because we like being individual. Mm. But see, pastors who talk everybody, a lot of us, a lot of people out of us, the pastors organize themselves. They created unions and fellowships and networks, and they did a whole lot. Prophets came up with prophetic companies that wanted to be independent from their neighbors and their peers and their colleagues. Now, what the pastors ended up doing was getting themselves accredited, credentialed, yeah. accepted all the way up to the government, IRS. They don't, the IRS will not give you another pastoral title, another clergy title, but pastor. Yeah. That is true. Now, that is not, that's crazy. Yeah. Because pastors didn't found the church. They planned. They tell you we planned. We planned. They didn't found the church. The word of God didn't come to a pastor. The revelations of God didn't come to a pastor. Moses became a pastor after he passed through all of that, and then he was a shepherd. Mm-hmm. And so what we failed to do was make ourselves look safe and appealing to society. So these people, these these people who are working on this thing in the government, they got prophets in the back room, right? Off to the side, they are sub advisory bodies because they can't bring us out as credible because we have no credential, right? See, and we don't have a school, and we don't. But hopefully, by the time you all get here in June, you're gonna find out what God has done with us. And, but until then, you can go to your internet, write this down, don't go now because you don't want to miss me. <laughs> but you can go to the, uh, on your website and hit on Google prophetic hyphen end. And you can see the future of the prophetic and what God has given us to do to reestablish us because the first ministry in the world outside of what they like to say, father, uh, husband and wife, marriage, family, the first ministry is the prophet. How do we become last when we were first? God put a prophet in position before he put anything else, which is why I can say the Lord starts everything with a prophet. Are you all here? Y'all, y'all catching that? Everything. So the prophets kick-started this, but because of their disarray and their rivalry, etc., they did they they never pulled together. If we had done our job when God first kick-started this, perhaps a lot of this would have been averted. Because we, as the, as the prophets, would have faced off with the pagans. And since we sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, we would have been able to quash a lot. They worked hard to dismantle the church. Yes. They worked hard to demolish our faith. They worked at it because they knew. You, need to, you can get caught up in what Satan did or whatever. You can also applaud him recognizing we are his only father. Because we, we are the ones with the power. We who are filled with the Holy Ghost. Those kinds of things. That's why 
sheep are scared because pastors are like, just hang on to Jesus. Are you kidding me? Let me tell you something. People have slid off Jesus for less. <laughs> but this is my brand new book called Assessing Your Prophetic Self. I've been talking about it. Yay! I've been talking about it, and now we have it. And we have, they sent us a case of them, yes. and we're getting more. You can go to Amazon.com and get it. They have been um, promoting it for how long? Um, weeks? Oh, well over a month. At least a month. Go to Amazon.com and, and key in, assessing your prophetic self, and you will get it. And this one is not specifically about prophets. This is about prophecy. In fact, the first um, scripture that's used and that runs throughout it, uh, throughout the Bible, is I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and, do- and your daughters shall prophesy. And on my men's service and on my maid's service, I will also pour out of my spirit, which lets you know God separates the apocalyptic elect from everything the Holy Ghost does in the world. So when you get it, that is a, it's an amazing book. I'm telling, I like it. I'm telling you, I am excited. I not, no, I don't say that. My daughter came in, she saw me reading it. I never say that about my work, never. It takes me a year or two to realize it because I'm so worn out trying to get it out. I don't know what I feel about it. But this was not that. So if you look at it, it's a beautiful cover. Whitaker House, House did a great job. We have this huge, almost pearlized DNA strain to let you know that you were born to be who you are. And so we talk about it and how to handle prophecy as a Christian, how to handle prophecy as a prophesier, as a divine communicant, as a seer, dreamer of dreams, how to handle being a part of God's uh, divine communication staff, of which prophecy is only a part of. Oh, my goodness. But I open this by saying prophecy has a mission. So listen to this. It's, when you get your book, it's page 67 if you want to jump right to it. You probably don't, but hey, you know, you might. And because um, I where's my, my copy? I have a copy. Okay, because open it to that flag that I have there. Okay, um, everyone can prophesy. If you think about prophecy as a space traveler, its journey from God's world to this one would make astonishing sense to you. As the broadcast word cloud depicts, and we have a lot of them, um, prophecy has a mission, and it is not just to sound off. Its mission comprises several of the terms you see in the word cloud. Not only does prophecy have a mission, but it also has a purpose that is not simply to be a supply line. If you are serious about who you are, or what you are to become prophetically, it would be good for you to study that cloud carefully. Learn the words and phrases that define prophecies, heaven to earth mission. From there, focus on a mission operation center to enliven your perspective. Consider prophecy as a spaceship and earth as its destination. That way you can analyze and assess its journey from God's world to ours technologically, and not just as divine revelation. Employing these concepts and techniques improves your prophetic assessment faculty to become an increasingly skilled judge of God's work. And what page is that tag on? It's 43. 
All right, I'm going to read because I ended on judge, on judge. On page 43, make sure you note it because you're going to get it, and it's also on Kingdom. You know, amen. So you have it in a second. Assessing equals judging. Assessing involves judging, and that is okay. As much as society condemns it, the truth is people judge everything all the time, whether they are aware of it or not. Assessing relies on judging, making distinctions and comparisons between two seemingly similar items or issues in order to choose one over the other. So without, a cho- without um, comparisons, you don't have choice. Okay? The subjects of your judgments are what classify it as negative or positive, critical or valuable. The word judgment has numerous synonyms that you, would, you should learn in order to identify what type of judgment you intend when you assess. One of those synonyms is sentence. You only want to use this word when you want to condemn somebody and follow your condemnation with punishment. There is a ruling type of judging that you would use to settle controversial matters in someone's favor. This is where you decide who is right and who is wrong by taking sides. Then there is the quite familiar verdict, verdict judgment. This is what judges and juries do during trials. Judging also decrees and issues sentences, edicts, and laws. Decrees are official and binding and require lawful authority to take effect or be imposed. Another type of judging is arbitration, in which you settle conflict between two or more parties. Prophets and divine communicants typically employ judgment as a faculty rather than an action. In this case, judging relies on shrewdness. This is when your intelligence and prudence act to outsmart an opponent in order to get you out of sticky situations or act to exploit promising opportunities. Here, judgment appears as a clever acumen. Discernment is another faculty of judging. This is when you dig beneath the surface of something to get at the truth. This is penetrative judgment and entails detecting differences or similarities that may benefit or jeopardize your best interests. You employ your judicial faculty to gain advantage or avert crises. Two other judging faculties are judiciousness and perceptivity. They unite common sense, prudence, foresight, and insight when trying to undertake an important venture or enterprise or when acting to repair or to repair threatened relationships or costly jeopardize dealings. You engage this foursome to get the long view of matters in order to assess risk or reward. Judging from this vantage point is weightiest because it corrals and exerts wisdom to give you situational advantages that preserve instead of exposure. As you can see, judging is not a religious curse, but a deliberative faculty that harnesses your impulses and restrains rationals. So most prophets can't do their job because they got, the church is telling them you can't judge. There's more to that. I just obviously, you know, stopped it. But you have to recognize we cannot be a prophet without judging. 
It's a judicial office. It's an administrative office. It's a governmental office. It's an executive office. You have to judge. You just need to go down the list of synonyms for judging and define each one to find out what type of judgment belongs in what situation. That's what we do as prophets. Hi. Hi. <laughs> okay, because you, you, the whole master of divine communication whether it is intuition or instinct or whether it's outright prediction, every bit of it not only relies on judging, but it relies on words. The mantle, divine communications is the term that I use throughout the book because I've created it or I've enlisted it, it's a better word, enlisted it as a catch-all phrase for anything that comes out of God's mouth. And once we start with divine communications, then we can decide whether or not you're a server, sermonizer, whether you're a theologian, whether you're a wordologist, whether you are an educator. What type of communication has God constructed you to deliver through the prophetic faculty and attributes he endowed you with? And so you need to definitely get this book. Because it helps you in so many ways. I like the back of the book, you know, and, and, and it says here, assessment a timely primer on prophecy. Whitaker House contracted me. I love these people. They're just sweet. I've enjoyed working with the daughter. She's a wonderful one. Yes. Um, but, um, but it's a time. They contracted me to do three prophetic primers. Why? Because I'm the author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Because I'm the author of the Prophet's Handbook, they are both selling. These have been very successful books for them in terms of their marketplace. And so they know I could deliver condensed versions of both books. So it's a timely primer on prophecy. Assessing your prophetic self is a timely guide for today's prophetic environment. As a primer, this work answers dozens of questions and supplies practical solutions to this century's prophetic climate. Emphasizing prophecy more than profit, it spans the entire spectrum of divine communication, a catch-all phrase coined to identify God's words for his children, futuristic or not. Assessing your prophetic self shows you how to assess your prophetic self and why it is healthy to do so. This primer informs and instructs you on divine communication, prophets and prophecy, assessment and their value to prophetic criticism and judgment, how to view and explore your prophetic self as well as the prophetic in others, what general and prophetic assessments contain, how to isolate and determine assessment elements, and lastly, how to build simple assessments. There is much more for you to learn from this primer. Expect to be enlightened, informed, challenged, and elevated. Amen. I want to read this, this quote from Prophet Angela Powers. <laughs> she said, Dr. Price, I always get multiple copies of your books. I treat them like Vista. They're everywhere I want to be. <laughs> oh, I love that. That is so good. So how did we get off into this? Uh, first of all, I wanted to introduce you to my book. And you can share this. If you should share what I just said. I did my own infomercial, promo, all by myself. 
I read you, I gave you a taste of it so you know, but it's worth the investment. And in the back of the book, it tells you what to do with this primer when you're finished. If you have a school, prayer group, if you have a church, whatever, this is, this is especially for you. It, it, it addresses what we're facing. It offers solutions. It teaches you how to assess. You see, I just talked to you about judging. Judging is the number one uh, uh, function of a prophet. Because it begins with when God says something, we have to judge. Was that God or not? That's first judge. It's not like God. I'm not sure of God. We don't judge. We don't even judge when we get a word from the spirit realm. We just assume that if, if it came from the spirit, it has to come from Jesus. In this book, I explain to you why the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. That's a judging factor. That's a factor. So we have the faculties and we have the factors. Yes, and because we think we will know if something speaking to us isn't God. Oh. I don't know, it shiver up our spine. The baby knowers, the nigga knowers, knowers, the knowers. Something is going to a, a knot in our stomach, some sort of physical manifestation mm-hmm. is going to let us know, wait, that's another spirit. That's not God. And Scripture doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, I refer us uh, uh, to uh, John when he says, false prophets deny the deity and incarnation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, and John said that, he, you know, we, we, I, I write this out, you know, Pastor, but we always walk around, Try the spirit. Try the spirit. Try the spirit. Well, don't you realize that the spirit you're trying is it? <laughs> Do you realize that the spirit that you're trying is going to validate itself? Right. So a lying spirit is going to tell you it's true. This is this is Jesus. I mean, Jesus has so many imposters and so many identity thieves, it's not funny. Oh, come on now. He's the Almighty. He's going to have them. That's, you know, and his stuff works. They don't have options. And so John does a whole piece, and I read it. Oh, I've done it for years, but he said he recognized false prophets by what they did to and with Jesus Christ, the founder of our faith. And you also uh, define that in the Prophet's Dictionary, (laughs) referring to another handy-dandy book, False Prophecy, and that is written in that definition. Thank you, Sally. And so you can, and the book is, every chapter of the book opens with excerpts from the Prophet's Dictionary. So that's a useful book now, see? And so we've got the Prophet's Dictionary, we have the Prophet's Handbook, and then we have assessing yourself prophetically. Now, why am I really able to do this also? I explain why. I explain that I created, and many of you out there have taken them, the standardized ministry assessments, where the faculties and factors, features, and functions, I always like to say it like that, are assessed. It's web-based. But before you get to there, can I see? Yes. Okay. The cover of this book says, Free prophetic assessment inside. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. And you, I bet you think it's in the book, but it's not. It's in this little thing right here. That's right. QR code. Put your phone over it. Takes you to our system. Oh, good. Good. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. 
This is a this is a great value, people. Uh, I mean, a great deal of information. Isn't that? Did it go? It's going. It's going. It's going. It's going. And then somebody will put a camera on it. And see. Because, you know, my, my, my website is the first thing that everyone talks to me. Did it go? Did it go? It goes on some. Somebody else is going to find Well, because the, the Internet won't let me out here. So I'm just assuming that we are having issues. But when you go through it, um, we'll look at another book because we want, they want to know that. Because if that, and then if not, the website is there, you can keep in that website, and it will take you to my assessment center where you can take a very brief survey. We don't call it assessment because it's not thorough, but it is a survey. And they tell me, the people who have done it um, said that there's some good, good stuff. They got good information out of this. Mm-hmm. You want to try it? Don't? Because, you know, she's wanted to get her one of the books because she's one of the people who worked, helped me work very hard on the assessment piece of this. Very good at helping me with the assessment stuff. Mm. But in any event, but oh, they, they did it a little different. They did? Mm-hmm. There's an actual link here. This takes us to Whitaker's website. Oh, but, uh, but mine is in there. Yours is in here? It is. It's in there. Go, go. Somewhere. It's it there. Ah. There's mine. Okay, my and this one, but tell me the page so everybody oh. knows. Okay. It's page. Okay, great. Right. There it is. Wonderful. It's, it, so you put it on, what's the page number? Okay, it's page 167. What it says is, see, I went right to the back of the book, which is, don't go there. Right. You need to go okay. to 167. It says your personal prophetic assessment survey. And it has the QR code. It also has the direct web link. But that will take you to your prophetic primer assessment. And so, can we get a picture of this? I wish we had had it. Yeah. Uh, no, it won't show up. It won't show up. Okay. But it'll take you to the site. It says assessing yourself prophetically survey. And you just enter in your basic contact information, first, last name, email address, and click that you acknowledge that Dr. Paul Price will use your information to provide analytics. Uh-huh. analytics. We're not going to share your information. We're not going to sell your information. We will uh, compile it. And then you take it, answer the questions. How many questions? It's only 26. And it's, how long does it take? Who took it? Somebody here took Oh, Norma's gone. 26, 26 Yeah, Norma okay. took it. She said it was less than 10 minutes. This is not the standardized ministry mm-hmm. assessment. Sure, but. <laughs> this is free. So it's not the assessment. It is a survey. Yes, it's a survey, and it comes with a free complimentary advisement so that if you want to get questions answered about your results, mm-hmm. you can. So uh, and everybody who's taken it has been amazed at it. It's, it's not a long read. It's very bump, bump, bump. But it does let you know where you are presently after reading the book. Now, I know a lot of you all are going to go out there, and you all are going to do what Christians do, and you're just going to go right to the, to the QR code, page 167, and you just want to see what it says, and it's not going to mean a lot to you because it's tied to the content in the book. So now think about it. If you have a class or you're opening a class, you can't have people do it in the beginning and in the end because you, you might do it where you are, 
but you might get better results if you do it after you've gone through the material. Either way, it works. I don't have a judgment call on that. See, I'm not delivering a sentence on that. Hallelujah. <laughs> judgment. So um, please make sure you go um, to uh, Amazon.com, and that's where they, that's who's been taking the order. But they're putting it in, well, you know, my books go everywhere. So they're putting it in every, every section. If you're a teacher, if you're a prophetic educator, if you're a self-study, you know, this is for DIY. If you're self-study, if you are a pastor, you're a prayer team, intercessors, whatever, you need this book. I think you will appreciate the wisdom. And you look at it. It's not as big as my other book. So, you know, they capped me really good. It was really great. <laughs> Because they know I can send them war and peace. All three in one book. Uh, exactly. The, as a matter of fact, the first version was war and peace. They was like, can we just bring this up? Okay. Don't you think this is a primer? But I am going, I do have a workbook for when I teach it and when my team teaches it. We have a workbook full of activities, full of, so when it's a, a course in prophetic ed, Make sure you go with two prophetic and visit there. When it's a course there, you'll be able to see it. All right, we had a great time. Wasn't this fun? Yes, it's a good book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you get yours You know, if you all want to buy it in the studio, can they buy one or not? Yeah, you can buy one in the studio. You can only take it. Yeah, and I want Amen. So then you all can say, we have, you know, we can do it. If you have a uh, Kindle or you want it on Kindle, you can get it on Kindle. But I promise you, you're going to want Kindle and you're going to want the book because you will want to highlight and scan and, and what a, yeah. Judy, did you pick a good day? I'm telling you. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, you picked a great day. And just to reiterate one more time, we are talking about Dr. Price's newest release. The picture is on the screen if you're watching. Uh, what are we watching? Facebook. Assessing Your Prophetic Self. This is the first book in a series of three prophetic primers mm -hmm. that Dr. Price is rolling out. Discover and train your gift of prophecy. So this is what we're talking about. If you're just tuning in, and you can go to Amazon, key this in, and pre-order. It will be rolling out to you in June, yeah. but they are taking pre-orders now. But our publisher sent Dr. Price a case of the book. They are sweet to me, and I'll tell you something, Beth. It should have come home. <laughs> you know we said? I told you so. Yeah, I didn't say that, though. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about where we are. We are on this campaign. This is a... A, the Global Apocalyptic, uh, Apocalyptic Prayer Campaign, and I'm bringing you this over and over again because what faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. How can they believe if they don't hear? How could they hear if no one teaches? We know those passages in Romans. We know Paul says that, and this is um, founded on Romans 8:19. And I, I was thinking 8, 19 to 24. I'm so excited now. I have to bring myself down. But uh, the creation is groaning for the children of God. Now, I know that, you know, the other, whatever, but, but the word that they chose, they settled on sons, but they could have chosen children, and they could have chosen offspring, and they could have chosen seed. They chose politically, you know, chauvinism of the day. They chose men. So it says, 
You know, creation is groaning for the children of God, for the offspring of the Godhead. I call it that because God told me that that's what I want to. He said, I want you to call them my offspring, my elect friend. He gave me that word, so I'm going to use it. And I feel like if I need the Lord Jesus to help me, I probably need to cooperate with him. So I already get in top billing on Thursday. I'll tell him on Thursday, okay, Jesus, wait a Jesus tomorrow is the Jesus and Paul show. Okay, Lord? So I need you to be up on it, okay? Well, <laughs> And, you know, he stuns me every week. He said, oh, I'm up? Oh, I got something to say. I got quite a bit to get out. And he's been taking us from level to level and glory to glory for a while. He's having a blast, and he should because he is the Almighty. Now, so in a word, I use the acronym CASE, C-A-S-E, for describing apocalyptic prayer. Commissional, appellate, sovereign, elect. Now, so we are actually commissioned to be God's appellate center as his sovereign elect. You need to get that. We're going to say it over and over again because faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. I've got all of my broadcasters saying, if you're not teaching this, then I don't know what to tell you because you're not going out over this because this is our campaign right now. So they are all, in some way or another, enfolding this in it. And most of them, I never even had to say it. They were doing it before I even said it because, well, when your people are with you, they're with you. And when they're not with you, they're always saying what? What? What do I say? What do you want? What's wrong? What am I doing? What? When they have too many question marks, you need to sit down and spend some time with them because they need some orientation. The apocalypse of the children of God. Why is that important? Because Romans 8, 19 is telling us creation is groaning for us to come out of the our, our infancy, to come out of our pubescence, to come out of our adolescence and become the mature offspring of the Godhead equal to Jesus Christ. You know, you have a lot of teachers that say, well, you know, we can't be equal to Christ. I don't know why. He said he's the son of man. He said he's the last Adam. If he's the last Adam and he's been, he begot us again with the divine nature as the seed of Christ, as the very seed that made him, then guess what we are? We are the equivalent of Jesus Christ in the planet. We are his deputized stand-in or his deputized substitutes. You have to get this in your mind because you're going to want, I'm telling you, I've watched it. You're going to want to touch this thing and pick and choose what you want, and it's either not going to work or it's going to backfire. Because God is very serious. God is going to war with these devils. He is warring. But I'll tell you, this man is serious. Um, they, and he's been, we talk about, well, they've been setting this up. I know that God has been talking to me about this kind of thing since, two, well, actually since 1990. Probably before that. In the 80s, I kept having dreams of this huge beast that would come up out of the people out of our city, not me, I can do it, a cup that would rise up and he would crush the cities of America. He'd crush them. And what he didn't crush, his tail would swing and smack them and, and literally uh, devastate the building. Now, God told me that in the 80s. I was dreaming, and I was so afraid. I was like, wow, 
Uh, why are you doing this? God, I don't know. But, but I was brand new, so could I say? I didn't know. I was just looking at pictures. As far as I was concerned, it was a scary movie. You know, because when you knew with God, everything's a movie. Okay? Nothing's a mission. Everything's a movie. And so, but as I grew, he began to show me, you know, that, that and here we are. This beast is crushing the cities of America and devastating our buildings and our top offices. And people were dying. Strangely, not as many as I thought. You know, because I was thinking, if we didn't crush like that. I had that dream three times. You know, and so God told me, on the heels of that dream, God told me Donald Trump was going to be president. And I said, well, at that time, he wasn't anywhere near where he is today. But if you are in God's classified chambers, nothing catches you by surprise. They will tell you, I prophesied this disease. And I prophesied the enemy trying to take us out. So why am I saying that? That's why I said, yes, baby, judge your prophecy. And I judge my prophecy by some very, very specific things, by the word of God, like the spirit of God. Because Jesus said the Holy Ghost will speak for me, and the Holy Ghost says Jesus will transmit his thoughts to me. So we, you know, when we think about this, the Holy Spirit has got to verify the word and the word has got to confirm the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit authenticates God's word. And it's not the words we like. You know, the ones that we think, yay, 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 our pastor's favorite scriptures are not going to get you into God's word. I know you like it. Your favorite book, people's testimonies and devotionals, that's how we got here. And we didn't get here with the word of God. So we didn't know that God has done it before, so he's doing it again. Moving on. So, from notification to actualization, I've been talking about actionizing. We're going to actionize this global apocalyptic prayer project, mobilize those who are supposed to take it, pick it up, carry it, and galvanize the kingdom, galvanize humanity. This is not just about Christianity. This is humanity. These people want to wipe out humanity. They don't want you as humans on the planet. They have decided that the world census should be somewhere between a half million to a million people. I don't even think they want a billion. Um, if you know differently, I'm open. But the point is, they don't think that they need to shrink the population of the world because they said we can't feed them. Well, God never had a problem feeding people. So you need to stop playing God. If you can't do the whole thing, get down out of there. Because God doesn't have a problem. God can feed people. He said, I thought I can create a, a, a desert in the wilderness. I can create a river in the wilderness and fill it full of fish. See, but you all have got to understand that God doesn't have mortals' problems with his creation. Humans have problems with God's creation. God is fine. God has, he said, I have an innumerable company of angels that take everything I want. We got Brother Elijah. He just had the biggest battle he ever had. He is, I mean, taking down Jezebel's prophets, almost a thousand prophets, and he's sitting there on Mount Carmel, and he takes them down. They cut themselves. They literally uh, gas themselves. They wallow in their own blood and everything, and Satan can't answer because God's got his hands over his mouth. Because, you know, if he, could, he had everything on the line, if he could have said it, it would have, he would have. With everything on the line, and God 
gagged him. So Elijah, that's how God gets rid of Jezebel's entire, entire supernatural staff. 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. Almost a thousand, and they're dead. Leave them dead. Those that didn't kill themselves trying to get God to get uh, Satan to talk for them, they, the, you know, uh, Elijah, like we think Elijah was on Mount Carmel alone. We think it was just Elijah, but Elijah had somebody build that altar. He had servants fill the altar with water, a lot of water, and put the, the wood on it, slaughter the animal. He had all of that, and the animal he slaughtered is the very thing that Balaam used to get the spirits to speak. So we think he's alone. And you don't realize that he isn't alone until he said, kill all of the rest of them. See, prophets back then, because that was their nation, you know, because you hear people say, well, you can't say that God means that. Let me tell you something. Back then, that was capital punishment. And false prophets fell under capital punishment. Israel was a nation, a sovereign nation. And as a sovereign nation, that was their law, and that is what we have in the nations of the world today. There are nations who do horrible things. I mean, this the girl in the Middle East, she gets gang raped, and guess what? The, the, the law is against her. Sovereign nation. So when somebody says, well, I mean, is the Bible, does it really mean this or does it really mean that? Well, we are, America is a sovereign nation who has who opted for peace and preservation and prosperity. But we still have states that will kill you if you do certain things. So don't listen to them because they try to make this thing theological. And actually, it is not. It is a national, a sovereign nation-state law. And false prophets were supposed to be killed because their words would spread poison in the nation, in the land. Now, do I agree with that today? No, because God, at that time, God could have a law like that because everybody was going to hell. Anyway, see, we don't know what the logic is. That's why I love this man. He said, well, I was, there was no loss to me, which is why you hear the passage that said, a precious in, in his sight is the death of his saints, because the blood makes us precious. The curse made us doomed. So it's a big deal that God says that Enoch was no more because the Lord took him. That's a big deal. It's a big deal that God did not let Satan take Moses' body. That's a big deal. It's a very big deal that Elijah didn't even see death and that God's chariot of fire came together. Big deal. Why? Because those were God's statements that these people were so purged of their sin by their righteousness in me, by their obedience, that death could not take them. Because death comes after sin. Death comes after error. And if you have impenitent sin, you know that stuff you did in high school that you didn't think mattered? <laughs> well, God said he's going to forget all my sins. He really does. But you know what? That sin did breed itself in your body. 
So God's not having the problems. God is like, hey, well, you know, you, you, you sow what you're growing. But now, under the Jesus dispensation, God has a reason to celebrate our leaving our bodies and entering his world. So, no, we're not killing prophets like that. We leave that up to the Holy Ghost, and we leave it up to the angels. Because if you notice, in the book of Acts, it's the angels that were taking that kind of judgment over. Isn't that powerful stuff? The angels. You're going to arrest Peter. And, and you're going, first of all, you're going to arrest the 12 apostles and because you are a sovereign government. See, angels will push back on government when they conflict with the will of God or they intend to frustrate the word of the Lord. Angels are going to push back. So they arrest Peter. First of all, they arrest the 12. They beat him and they arrest him. And the angel came out and said, um, go preach this thing. Go stand. And, and talk, angel told him, go stand in the street. Get public. Don't hide. Don't go underground. Go stand in the street and preach this message, this word of life. Angels did. Angels did not care. And the people are wondering, how y'all get out? They think they had a jailbreak. No, they didn't. They got, they got a reprieve, an appeal from a higher authority. I got to hit this over here. And let's get the cows off, since I know I'm killing the cows. <laughs> killing sacred cows. So they go and they do that. Why? Because when God establishes you in the office of the prophet or the apostle, he assigns an angelic God and entourage, ministering spirits whose job are to see to it that you are able to fulfill his purposes unhindered, unimpeded, until he's done. We go down a little more in that, and here we go. Peter's in jail. Peter has so yoked up with the Lord Jesus Christ, he's just saying, well, I mean, eventually I'll get out. Because he knows that God has angels that are watching over him, not just his birth angels, but his commissioned apostles' angels. That's why getting commissioned is important. You can freelance all day long. You're going to run on your birth and your, your natural human guardian. But when you step into that office, the office is protected, and the angels of the seven churches, they begin to assign subordinate angels and spirits, ministering spirits, to take care of you. They could only kill those apostles when God was done. And I mean, we don't even, they, they cut out half the things they did. They tore up the plan. It wasn't just their word. It was the works that God assigned to that work. Peter sleeps. I mean, he's just getting up. I mean, it's nighttime. I'm in jail. He's sitting between the two guards because they were like, why did you have to put two guards over him? Why did he have to stay bound to two guards? Because they knew he could move. They knew he could get out of it. <laughs> so the angel comes, and these, first of all, you know, when God shows up, sleep gets deep. You almost feel like you've been on drugs. Did they give me some sort of anesthetic? So the angel shows up, pops Peter, said, hey, put on your clothes. We're getting out of here. Holy Ghost, jailbreak. The and the angel's like, okay. Peter gets up, and he is, Peter's still asleep, but his spirit is, is responding because his body has not yet awakened. That's why he didn't know where he was. 
And if you haven't had the Holy Ghost do you like that, you can't understand the statement. But see, because God will wake up your spirit and your body is sitting there saying, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say it. So you can get up, put your clothes on. And he, he goes out and the angel proves that he is above this world. He stands there. Now, everybody, had, they had them bracing on heavy keys. You almost needed a dolly to bring carry it around. And yet, the angel stands there and the gate says, I'm, I'm open. It doesn't say the angel, the angel didn't say open sesame. <laughs> okay? Voila. You know, the angel didn't say that. Shazam. <laughs> the angel didn't say any of those things. The angel just stood there and the gate was, you, you are, you know you're supposed to open for me. And it said the gate opened of its own accord. That means that gate literally, he, that angel's electricity. Because that's what we use today. The connectors. The electricity from that angel literally popped that lock. And Pete walks out and the angel's like, well, like, I, I released you. you. You're done. Pete goes back home. See, we tell the story and we, talk, we concentrate on Rhoda who didn't let him in. And we concentrate on the angel waking him up. But we don't realize that this angel is so powerful, pure electricity, pure energy. That the gate, the iron bars, you know how we say, we've seen those moves, those, that bar, the, the box said, I'm sorry, I have got to move. <laughs> and the angel could do that because they were under false arrest. The, the, they literally had done no Nothing, no crime except threaten the sitting leaders. But the mighty God left them out because Peter was filled with the dispensation, and until he dumped everything God wanted to spread, he was going to stay on the planet. Now, Paul's a little different. Paul didn't have all of those spectaculars because Paul will tell you, I killed Christians. So that's the difference between doing stuff beforehand. God forgave Paul. Yeah. Yeah. But Paul had on his hands, blood on his hands, oh, and murder in his soul. Oh. Now, you reach back, go back to David, similar things. You cannot build me a house. Right. Yeah. You are, I, listen, I'm actually in your firm right now, but I'm not going to let you build me a house oh. because you're a man of war. And you shed much blood. Now, people often can't, um, have a problem with that. But how can God charge him with bloodshed when he had to war? So does God condemn soldiers and, and uh, military people today? No, no. No, no. God knows that David got Uriah coming in. And he shed innocent blood. Now, even though he had this vision in seven, it didn't move him. It didn't restrain him. So God knows. See, he knows what's in your makeup that you don't know. He knows what you're incubating and hatching. David had women issues. And he also allowed his ego to keep him off the battlefield. Because if he was out there warring with the enemy, he'd have been fine. But even with that, David 
was God did not want his house built with bloodshed. God always wants you to build his house in peace so that it can be a house of prayer. So we, but that's a whole other thing. So when you think about it, and they start talking about, yeah, well, you know, he's a, our God is a bloody God, because you know we're going to hear that, because the pagan God ain't bloody. So y'all sitting there chopping chickens and robbing puppies and, 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 and taking aborted babies, and y'all, but y'all not bloody. But they can say that to the typical Christian because we don't know our history and we lack the wisdom of the word we preach. See, I'm giving you the wisdom of this is wisdom, and wisdom is the principal thing. And for the record, I just like the fact that wisdom is unchanged. Wisdom is a lady. She's a woman. And guess what else? The church is a woman. And where did God put his wisdom? Dot, dot. God. I'm just going to throw a dot out there. That's where we are. Okay? But here's where we are. I said to you, we are the apocalyptic offspring elect of God. We are the, the literal seed of Christ that was separated from every other element of creation. That's why he's holy. He's holy because his seed until us was one of a kind. There was nothing like it in all creation, not a star, not an angel, not a cherub, not an animal, not the living creatures, not the 24 elders, none. Only one was verbatim God's firm. Only one. Isn't that powerful? If we don't upgrade our identity, we will definitely not build our confidence. Boldness won't come out of people who don't know who they are or whose identity has been taken by oppression. So you won't be bold. You can't be bold. But the Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. So boldness is born in us when we're born again, and we have to squash it, squelch it, in order for us to comply. You can't compromise without squelching the boldness of the seed that you're born of. So, so, we are the sovereign elect offspring of God. It's never going to change. Whether we do anything with it or not, hey, but I would suggest to you that you all listen to these teachings. So our prayer, the global apocalyptic prayer project that we are conducting and we are advancing is based on us being Filled with all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's based on us being built exactly like Jesus with the same material, the same DNA, genetic material. We have the, the listen to this, because this is what we're talking about. We have the Godhead spiritual genome. We are. We are genomically God in the flesh. Just like Jesus saying, as God in the flesh. He had God's spirit and Mary's soul. And it's Mary's soul that enabled him to be killed. So when he's on a cross, what does he say? Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. So he takes his spirit and he sends his spirit back home because he's going to need it in three days. See, he's going to need it in three days. And he's got to go to hell one 100% mortal, 100% doomed. 
100% good and the spirit is lost. And so it's the body without the spirit that's dead. Right. And so he has to send that spirit home. But the soul, Mary's part of him, goes to hell. It's interesting that, it, listen to me, Mary's part of him goes to hell. The God part of him goes to heaven. Eve was the problem. So God finally does what he needs to do in womanhood because Mary part of him is the soul. And it's the Mary part that's going to hell. Because the church is going to be a woman. Uh, oh. <laughs> we have lunch chat. How about that? <laughs> so he said he's fulfilling it. And he said the seed of a woman. We go all the way down to Isaiah 714 where a virgin shall bear a child. Will bear a son. Now you have the occultists and you have the witches and Wiccans all talking about, um, you know, well, Jesus could just be within a woman. No. No. If he was a girl, he would not have been a redeemer. It couldn't happen. So Mary's soul, the Mary part of him, where he got his soul from, is going to hell. Which, and in that is the soul of all humanity from Adam to Mary. And he, so he's going to hell. We don't think about that. When we tell people you are not going to hell, we're lying. <laughs> because hell was not a newly erected prison right. when Jesus changed his plan. Hell had long since been old. Angels, Peter said, angels are down there. The angels are calling them. Euphrates are down there. The angels of the last days are down there. That's why we can say this is wrong. So when Jesus rises from the dead, we are born again. We are born from above. We receive the spirit of the living God, but that spirit has an assignment, which is to change our soul into what God changed Jesus' soul in, in the heart of the earth. I know. Y'all all right with this? See, if we don't know why we are who we are, they'll keep telling us that we are part of the included. We're not included. We are excluded. The, the Satan campaign, pagan, humanity, you know, humanist campaign, and agenda is about making all humanity the same. But, you know, Jesus doesn't act right like that. You remember, he was in, that we put, put him in the, the, the thing with the Philistines. We put him in the temple, and he started tearing up the, the artwork. Turn up the statues. Because yeah. he's like, I am, I am the living God. In this whole corona thing, we're going to find out how living God he really is. But if we're going to be the apocalyptic uh, elect, and we're going to be the ones praying from our seat of sovereignty because we're seated in heavenly places in Jesus Christ, we are installed in, in, in the body of Christ, we are filled with the fullness of the Godhead bodily that makes us like him. We are partakers. If that's our 
credentials. We need to have the credentials. Oh, come on, somebody. Yes. We have credentials, divine credentials, eternal credentials, immortal credentials. So these are our credentials. And until you understand and accept our credentials, none of this is going to do anything but make you afraid. So if we're going to fulfill a world mission, you can probably see it on the screen. If we're going to fulfill a world mission, forgive me, guys, you must have the sovereign, legislative, administrative, judicial enforcement ability and authority to control and govern the world community. This is what the church wants us. This is what we sold. We didn't want the world to pick it up because we were strong. We didn't want the world to pick it up because we were blessed. We didn't want the world to pick it up and dislike us. We didn't want them to ostracize us. There was a time that when you said world and we had a list, United States of America, not America, but the United States is number one. But this is what we did. This is what the medieval church achieved and attained. So if we're going to pray as God's sovereign elect, we are going to have to somehow or another continue to, to, uh, to, to pull all of these pieces in in the spirit realm. We're going to have to, from our seat in heaven, fuse with these elements of Jesus Christ. He controls the world. So we're going to have to have that. But we need to know what that looks like. What does it look like to be an apocalyptic sovereign offspring or elect? We need to know what that looks like. And we'll, as we go forward, we will be doing it. Next one is we're going to talk about this, how we are to situate, overturn, what makes us solid, because our credentials solidify our authority, our position. Remember, stature, status, station, standing. So we are to situate ourselves and position ourselves as the offspring of the Godhead, not just as good Christians. Remember, God never named us Christians. And I understand that probably the deal told us. God never named us Christians. Antioch named us Christians. God always called us the elect. He called us his elect. We are the ecclesia, which is a variation of the word elect. Can you believe that? So we are to situate ourselves, overturn what is not us by our sovereign authority. We are to legislate, intermediate. That means we are to intervene so that we can appeal and overturn Satan's laws and, and doctrines. Here's something that you should realize. Our job is to overturn what they have legislated. Coronavirus is under us. We to. That's why I keep telling you to pray through. I keep telling you to pull, like, separate those spirits from their human hosts. I keep telling you to pull down those principalities. I keep telling you to command the devils to come out of those beings. When those pigs showed up talking about talking to Jesus, let me tell you something. God was not like the, you know, he didn't turn around and say, oh, pig, think. He didn't say, hey, y'all hear that? He's been talking pig. Now, we could, we could stretch it and say maybe every oink was interpreted by Jesus as a sin. <laughs> we could. Eventually, I mean, 
I don't know how logical that was because the people around were able to record what they said. That's why we have it in the Bible. So Jesus is looking. These pigs are talking, and they can you imagine his nice little herd walking down the road and whatnot, and they and here they come upon Jesus, and they said, "We know you, son of the Most High God." Devils know they make it. They know they have no power with their making. And so we know you. Have you come to torment us before the time? See, the time. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Because right now, this is a false apocalypse because it's not in God's time. The pigs have sense enough to know that Jesus could not dispossess them from the planet because it wasn't time. Not if a pig knows it. That's all I'm saying. I didn't say anything. <laughs> the pig knew that God runs on his own time and cycle, not world events and not world cycles. So he cast them out because they knew. Pig knew their God. So our job is to understand our seat. We should not be proper lying apocalypse. And those are proper lies. They're not prophecy. Because there's no way, and hopefully by, by the time we get together next week, I will be able to show you how wrong that is. Now, if you've been listening to my nightly streams from Monday to now, you have already heard that. And the last one will definitely lay out for us why we're not in the mark of the beast. Do you understand? I just love this man. I just love him. I said, dude, Jesus, you got some public sugar. Look at you. (laughs) But can you understand? We are not, nature is not acknowledging this. Nature is not acknowledging this. Nature isn't even controlling it. Now, God permitted it. I know you got people who said, you know, God didn't permit it and he didn't. Let me tell you something. I want to tell you something about apocalyptic and let's see. We don't give credit to devils. And they're so busy trying to justify God's righteousness and his lack of of restraint of this that they will not. If God doesn't, listen, if God couldn't control it, then he's not God and we need to find another one. Because my Bible tells me he's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. That means God is kickstart, and because God is Alpha, his apocalyptic seed is Alpha. And so we must first come and be recognized before, and do our part in creation before we even get there. We're not even at the, we haven't finished the seal, and we're talking about apocalypse, and all of those books, you realize, no, Apostle actually had me howling about the left behind and scared the kids and tearing off. She was like, <laughs> Once we had a guest, he said, I was scared to go home. <laughs> okay, little kids. And it was wrong. And that's why people keep saying, but when, when, when? Because they are operating on people who have excerpts from the book of Revelation. Because most universities will not require you to read your Bible. Most theology programs exclude the Bible. Because they feel like everybody can read it. I don't care if everybody can read it. Everybody can read the paper. That doesn't stop them from putting it in different languages and then people having to be taught. Okay. 
So we we are scared of an apocalypse that we are this era will not see. And that this church that's existing today will not see. We're having free post trip stuff for no reason. <laughs> because the church that gets raptured, according to Revelation 6, the church that gets raptured, raptured is an entire different species of human. As well as Christians. I don't know if you got that. So they're giving us all of these lying prophecies. I like being who I am. You know, see, I don't wrote so many books. People are like, well, she might know what she's talking about. Now I'm going to take you to the book. See, your writing of Tim LaHaye and all of those other people say the mark of the beast is coming. And they went, I mean, they went real sci fi on them. The church that's getting raptured will never see the mark of the beast. Because the minute we are raptured, the 144,000 Jews who are taken, that we're passing the Christian torch to, they're the ones who are going to have to deal with that. And even they get out of here before it gets us. So we, we, we have the conversation. You think God is, I mean, is the church going to go through? You've got people with whole ministries on, I am, I believe in pre-trip. I believe in pre-trip. Pre-trip, pre-trip. We won't be here. I believe in pre-trip. God won't make us go through hell. Watch it. <laughs> well, I for mid-trip, mid-trip, mid-trip. I for mid-trip, half and half. Half-trip. And then we got post-trip. Post-trip is 144,000. See, we need to read our Bible. I keep telling you, read your Bible. Anyway, that was just a free. So, look, we have here, I'm opening your prayer portal. I'll be talking about that after the June event. We're going to walk back into this with the knowledge we have, the insight and enlightenment we have. We're going to talk about that. Because the apocalyptic elect have a different prayer for I know that because when I, when my portal opened, I was like, ooh, there really is darkness between us and God. Oh. Now, we've talked about this. You're going to like it, apocalyptic case. And these are the elements of it. Law of Moses. Isn't that wonderful? Law of priests. I love this. And, and then... The official law of God, I might put on something. There we go. Okay? The law of grace, the law of life, and then, of course, God's law of life, and then we have the final set, and that is the, I'm trying to think, man, hold on, let me get back, because I've got a magnifying. I said I can see. Glory to God. Oh, the, the jurist law, legal law. So this is what it takes to be accurate and precise in God. Of course, whole counsel and sound doctrine. We can't cherry pick. That's why we got people saying things like, well, God didn't do corona. God may not have done corona, but God had to sign off on it. And if he had to sign off on it, he did it. Now, we don't like it. The question is, we are asking the wrong question. The question might be, why did he sign off on it? What? leveraged itself against him and his right for his righteousness that made him sign off on it. Okay, spiritual self-defense, apocalyptic sovereigns, witchery, pushback, because this is all about witches. 
and we are we sit higher than them. God, that let me tell you how much witchcraft is not what it was. That's why they got to work so hard. Because see, before the real devils walked walk the earth. Now they have these momentary whatever, but they're dealing with a much weaker power. Satan is nowhere near as strong in this dispensation as he was. Because remember, Jesus spoiled the principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. So he was ganked up with Jesus, and God, Jesus resurrected, drug him around creation. Hey, y'all, we told you we were better than them. Hey, y'all, we told you we would win. Hey, y'all, we told you that we'd be catching it all up, bringing it all back. We told y'all that we are the, we are the highest power there is, and devils are looking around all embarrassed. Can you imagine how embarrassed it is? The Lord dragging you through you look real, <laughs> and you got these chains, you know, and you know how they used to do, they would take the chariot and they'd tie all the prisoners to the end of it, oh, yeah. and just parade them around, yeah, that's what it looks like, so he's got a good cover story for earth, but see, we have access to the back story, so we must be bare, be watchful, prayerful, and prayerful, and be on guard, be ready to face off. Be ready to defend your Lord and yourself. So how do we do that? Well, we're talking about we need to work that out before we get to the apocalyptic prayer, the cake. So let's, let's just wrap this up. Apocalyptic cake. Remember, what does the C stand for? And elect. We have, if we do not believe that we have been endowed, we're not just entrusted, we're endowed and induced by virtue of the new creation. We are endowed, we are endued, we're not just bestowed, we are, I'm going to keep saying that, endowed and induced. And so that means we have the faculties and the attributes, attributes, but we've been endued, they're not neutral in us. They're not dormant in us. They have been empowered by the Holy Ghost. So we are God. I'm going to see my little L there, but we'll catch it next week. We are God's heavenly sovereignty. We have the same power working in us that raised Jesus from the dead. That's not a theological concept. It's theological to the law. It's technological to the redeemed. We think that God's power will only work when we're in church. That's a pastor's paradigm. It only works in church. It only works when the singers are singing, and then after that we sit down and it goes, so I don't even know where it goes. I know when I'm in the right church when the power of God doesn't stop moving when the music stops. When, when the words go through me and, they, and they're energizing me and they're electrifying me, then I know I'm in a church where the Holy Ghost comes. Because when you're in under the word of God, that thing hits your spirit, it energizes you, there are lights going on. I'm like, no. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if Jesus leaves when the music goes off, I'm going with Jesus. <laughs> and y'all going to have to put up some fake teachings. <laughs> We are there for God, but this is for us. Our sovereignty is in heaven, extending to earth to give potency to God's seed and them to the world. 
we are world servants. Don't get it in your mind that we, we get to boss everybody around. If that's in your mind, I kill it today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are high seat sovereign advocates. We advocate the Almighty. We advocate the kingdom of God. We advocate God's righteousness. We are his advocates, sovereign advocates. Because, you know, you can't get the king to be your advocate. You pretty much got a problem. So we exist to revamp and recover, remediate, and repair all that the, doc, the, uh, the darkness has done while we were sleeping and playing. I mean, you got churches today, they sitting there playing ball, watching movies and carrying on. We know you're not apocalyptic. Matter of fact, we wonder if you say we're going to preach. But we're going to give you the benefit of doubt and say you are a bratty saved child. You're in rank rebellion. Come on, upon. So as we go on, you know, I had fun today. I really did. But as we begin to wrap this up, we have to accept who we are in Jesus Christ. And we have to stop having a, trying to be something that we are not. You know, we are the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That is who we are. I don't care what anybody says, that is who we are. Hallelujah. Can we put this on the other view? Do I have to take it off? I can unplug it. I get to unplug it. Oh, look at me. But I didn't know what to do. Next, year, next time you give me a class. <laughs> but we are that we have got to operate. We've got to cogitate. We have got to process. We've got to begin to exhibit. And it starts with listening to these teachings. I got this over 35 years. You don't have 35 years. No. I don't know that you have 30 days. I think you're going to need a class course. What do you think? You think I'm not on that one? You don't have that kind of time. These devils have mounted a real attack against humanity. God said to me, I mean, we were, what, long before corona, he said, I'm going to have to take over control and dominion of the earth. He said, because humanity has lost the power to push back on or resist the, the darkness that has overtaken us. Mm. So we can have all of the meetings and we can have all of that other stuff, but right now God is calling for weapons of war. Yeah. And I'm talking about spiritual warfare that we gotta go back with Ephesians six is where we are right now. We're going to have to go to back with the principalities and powers and spiritual hosts and wickedness and and heavenly places. Now we think we have to climb up to do it, but that's not apocalyptic. Redemptive, you might have to. But if you're going to exercise or be a part of God's apocalyptic offspring and, and how he does business, we are going to have to be like anybody else. We're above them. We're going to shoot down on them. Mm-hmm. Our missiles come down. And it comes down. We, definitely God is not about wiping out all of these, bo- all these physical bodies because, hey, we've got some that need to be, you know, they need to be saved. There are some that will com- convert, they'll repent, convert, and be saved, not so much for them to be useful to God on the earth, because usually when people are this severe in their rebellion against God and their assault on him, they get sent a prayer, grace, the end. 
They just sent a prayer grace, and after that, God's like, let's go home. Well, you mean he can't go back and use it? No, no. He can use you if you messed up in your little neighborhood. But if you were a global adversary, he's not doing that because too many people remember you. But that could be a great testimony. It could be. It, it could be a great testimony. It didn't work for Stephen, but it could be. There are a lot of times. You know, we often think about Stephen, and we like, Stephen's the first martyr. But before Stephen was a martyr, martyr he was a rebel, a rebel, and he isolated himself. He picked up the apostle's mantle. He picked it up, and he went out there to face off with those, that synagogue of free people, and they took him out. And nobody said, but why didn't God spare him? Because it wasn't given to him. The apostles did not send him. He went. See, when God pulls this thing online in full, go ahead, sir. When he pulls this thing online in full, we're going to see why Luke said, and nobody there joins us. See, those apostles shut down the powers in a a whole region. Right now, our apostles are trying to be good evangelists. Well, we just want you to be saved. We want God to like you. We want you to, we don't want you to be, we, okay, because we're walking in love. and we, No, 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 no. And I'll, I'll do all of that. I can say all of that in public, but now, honey, if you heard my prayer. Mm-mm. I pray from my seat of authority, and I keep myself clean and purged and sanctified so that I could speak from my seat. I'm not going to get, be up there and talk about God. This man, I'm climbing up Jesus. As soon as I, I cast off this, I cast off that. But uh-uh, I stay in my seat. People ask me, why don't, you know, well, you know, um, they talk about cursing. I don't curse because when I curse, something's going to happen. Because when God curses a thing, it dies. But I'm conscious of being in my seat all the time. All the time. I live with the consciousness. I sit too high in God for half of the stuff that these people do. Now, I'm not saying I, this is not a judgment thing right now. I'm saying this is an assessment of me. I sit too high to be slumming with the enemy I got to take out. I'm not doing it. I, I promise you I can't do it. And, and God and I had it. I said, but, he said, but you, I remember he told me, he said, you come and stay with me. And then he told me, once I got in my seat, he said to me, I can tolerate all of that, but you, mm-mm. I knew what that meant. I was like, okay, so there's no return. No. But you know what? I didn't want it. I care about the Lord Jesus, and it grieves my soul what his family did to him and let happen to him without trying to figure out the problem. I mean, come on, we let Babylon in to look at the stuff. Next thing we know, we Babylon. <laughs> now you know how to do it. Now I'm confident here today. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> okay, when you said judging is a number one job of a prophet, that was a very good statement, what kind of parameters should a prophet use to judge? How, how should a prophet know that they're judging according to the flesh versus judging according to the spirit of the Lord? Well, starting, not exclusively, but starting with knowing the word of the Lord on their subject, on their mantle, on their office. 
God, the whole Bible is a compendium, but that doesn't mean that the whole Bible applies to everybody equally. For example, in my book, I do a, a, a comparison with Matthew 7, where Jesus says, judge not, and John 7, where he says, judge not. And I did a comparison and realized that we certainly misunderstood what he meant. I tell you that there are five words, five Greek words that are used for judging. One is one ends up being criteria, criteria. The other one is crema, which is for criminal, crime, criminal, which is distinction. Is it five or four? I think it's four. Criminal, which is for distinction. And the last one, I, I, I'm not recalling it right now. But you have to know what each word, one of those words mean. And you kind of stop using just pure recall as, as, to establish your knowledge of something. Just because you can recall it. You want to read it? Oh, if I put on the last one. Yeah. Oh, and creases. That's the last one. So it's four. Creases, crema, crino, um, and then yeah, and crises. Crises is elsewhere. So I want you to understand. So you you you, you could be just given a critique, mm. you know, which is tantamount to an assessment, or you could be exercising the judicial authority of the mantle, where you are judging in God's behalf. See, that's the second thing. You are, we are intermediaries. You know, we're not the principles. God is the principle. And so you could be, if God tells you, go and tell them, what did he say? Go and tell Hezekiah, you get ready to die. Mm-hmm. You know? Or go tell David, I'm getting ready to punish your whole house for what you did to your wife. See, so those are different ones as opposed to you did not handle the altar too well, you need, okay? Or your, your uniform is dirty or something. So we need to understand what weight should be assigned or attached to that, the opinions we give and the source of those opinions. What is motivating us? Many people, especially today, and I have to fight it, Myself, so I, you know, I understand. But many people literally present their pet peeves as divine judgment. I don't like a woman with short hair. If God doesn't give you, you know, I don't like your skirt. I think that, you know, all of those kinds of crazy things, those are things, like there are things that you can comment on and express wisdom. This is wisdom. Like, I'm going to tell you when the devil is talking because I'm going to see him coming before you. And so there are times that you look like, you know what I mean? And you have to do it on a case-by-case basis because how I say it to you may not be how it works for you. And yet I may use the same words, but I have to trust that I'm doing it for God because God's going to paint the distinguishing picture between you and you. Because he, you know your life very hard knows his own good. So you have to know that. And God will not trust you with high judgment if you have little words. If you word light, you won't be heavyweight. Because a lot of these people are word light or word depleted or deficit, word deficient. And see, God made me learn that Bible. I was 12 years, man. I had, she can show you but my, my first Bible, the poor thing. It just, it just mutated. No, the red one upstairs. 
with the tabs on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get, that thing is gone. But I love it. I'm trying to get somebody to get it ironed out and bound for me because it's my very first. My doctor by the I want that book rebound. I really do. I love that Bible. And it says a lot about how God brought me through. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, but he made me. And I said, but God, you know, I wanted to read all of these other translations. He said, those are knockoffs. They're not me. He said, but I use them to bring people into me. And I noticed that when God is ready to promote you, particularly in the prophetic, he tells you to stop reading those fluff flake Bibles. He said, now go get yourself to so-and-so. Oh, go get yourself to so-and-so. So the Bible he made me go get after I got past the flesh plate is uh, it's the truth. The uh, modern King James Version or the new King James Version. He still likes King James. Why? Because he's king. That's why he likes it. He's king. He said, now, if you are a community leader, you need to get those. You need to get a couple of them. There are a couple I like. I like the HF, what is it, HCSB or HSCB? I like that, CSB. So it's HCSB. I like that Bible, but that's not where God tells me to stay. Mm. Now, he, if he wants to open something up to me, he'll send me that. I like the ISB, International Standard Version. Just so you know, I do read it. I've got like 23, 27 Bibles in my computer that I go through. But I, I noticed that God's consciousness, being a sovereign and being a king, it comes forth in that, in the spirit of that. Because God is like, I'm a king. And all of those came from that Bible. Right. See, they, they, it's the source Bible. So it came from that. Now they beat it up. They said it wasn't God, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, got one more. You got time for one more, girl. I can't wait so much. All right. When you said that, well, that would be statement too. Death comes after sin and error. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, the, re- the, the law of sin and death. So the reason people die is because of sin. Now, that sin doesn't have to be moral. It can be a physical flaw. It can be a fault. It can be a misstep. It can be a deformity. It can be genetic, but the law of sin and death is at work in the planet. It is a legitimate law to God. It is God's due process. And it's how God replenishes and recycles the earth. You know, when people die, you know, they go back to the dust and just leave it. We get new people out. That is why the soul and spirit are so important. So, but the law of sin and death is that God says the wages of sin is death. So death paid back sin's invoice. Sin literally invoices death because there's there's a payback. And there's no way around it. And what we love, the beautiful thing about God is that we get mercy and we get grace. So he may not get you until you're old. And then all of a sudden you're walking around there saying, I'm too good for diabetes and and sins. No, no, hold on. Oh, I'm too good for love. Because God says, when I visit for punishment, that means that there is a time and a day and a purpose for everything, every work under the sun. And so you can pray. There's a kind of phrase because the, 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 what he had done with those Babylonians and selling his God's people out, God postponed that 
and, and until his replacement is ready. Often, when your replacement comes, if you're in a high seat, forget it. They can give you everything, bring you back 95 times. And it's over. Death standing at the door. Death standing. I mean, literally, death comes because you because it, it, it keeps counting. Death, death, you know, death is a receiver. It's got his own receiver. So it keeps counting, and it does your whole life. And so, I mean, you, you look at people who are terminally ill. People who are terminally ill, those who are saved, we wait on Jesus. But the newest thing is, is euthanasia or good death. Youth means good. And Thanos. So we've got a new, so they decide to die on their terms. You know, death spells life. Death is life, but however way you do it, all I know is I'm not, I'm not going out of here. And, oh. and, you know, most of these people are atheists. So what does it matter? Now, that's, remember, we are the offspring of God, and God is like, if you have a valid purpose and you are committed to that purpose, because, see, God usually brings people back three times. I've watched them. I've had a lot of people die. I've brought a lot of people back from the dead. But when they hit that moment where their uh, ulterior intent are to, again, misuse God's grace and mercy or frustrate the grace of God, Death is like, I, I, listen, I can do what I want. We don't treat that. One day I'm going to talk and we're going to do a class on death with sin and death. But we don't treat death as a being, but everything in God is a being. And death is true. Let me tell you something. Death is so true because really God is the, the law of God, the grace of God, purpose and destiny pushes back on it. And when you move all of those out of the way, you're vulnerable. And death is so smart. It's been around so long, it can talk you into letting him take you. Death is not going home empty-handed. When it is your day, when it is your time, it is not going to happen. We in heaven. Remember 1 Kings 19, I believe it is, in heaven? And God said, who's going to go and uh, deceive Ahab that I can kill him? I want him off my planet. And the angel that answered turned out to be the instrument of death. See, death has instruments. And God said he prepares instruments of death. So the angel said, you know, this was the, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll, you know, whatever they say. And one walked out, and he's cool and calm. He said, I don't know. And he said, will you? Now, God, would you read the account? There is a, this is a bidding war. This is worse than Wall Street 4. There's a bidding war for this job. All right? Because we think that only the sweet angels are up there with Jesus. No, no. Uh-uh. No, no. Because in God, the sweet or not, there's nothing to do with the case. It's the usefulness. And so he said, you will? He said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. He said, go and do, and you will prevail. And you know what God said? Because you've been doing it. He spoke the, that lying spirit, spoke the truth. Truth has a frequency. Truth has a sound wave, and it broke through all of those people who were giving wishful thinking or making uh, uh, suggestions that they couldn't pull off. And he said, we already pulling it off. I don't know about you, but there's a lot for us to talk about on this. You need to pray that God gives me an opportunity to come back around to this one, because this deaf angel here, let me tell you something, he is not here without God's permission. And you all need to understand death, and he said, I created death. God created. So death answers to him. 
And on that, we're going to take an offering. <laughs> Cash tag, Dr. Paula Price, Dr. Paula Price. PayPal.me, Dr. Paula Price, Dr. Paula Price. Text to give, 918-203-6625. 918-203-6625. So into this revelation. Mm. I love you all. We'll be back again very shortly. Don't forget to join us on Pentecost Sunday. We are doing, you know, Chief Prophet Tyler has said she's going to have a blast celebration. She said because Pentecost Sunday, which is what we've been teaching, is where the church begins. See, redemption came from Jesus Christ, cross, burial, resurrection, and ascension. But new species came to earth through the Holy Ghost on Pentecost. Don't miss this Sunday. Enjoy us at the congregation of the month. Oh, she said, you know, I've been rushing it. They've been fixing me up. Scratch that. Well, anyway. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll be there. I'll be, I'll be teaching. We'll be yeah, no, we'll be doing stuff. We'll be Don't forget, though, so, um, the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands, tenant, and service, 8 o'clock Sunday school with Prophet Adia. She is becoming a, just, just been phenomenal. And so, and when you sow, sow some more, and then share. Make sure you share. I need you to share this because we cannot produce or breed these apocalyptic consciousness if you don't share. Spread the word. God bless you. I'll see you soon.